Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey man, how are you? How are you, dude? Yeah, I just I, I found the link and I just left it, man. I was like, I was just fucking texting. How are you getting on, mate? I'm trying to sort this out, mate. No worries. Hey, how are you? Hey. Right. <laughs> yeah, man. Good, great to see you. This is the brave new world, isn't it? <laughs> are you doing a lot of this stuff at the moment in the lead up to the film, or I'm what's going on? I usually do, but it's it's not actually that much. I mean, compared to the fucking nineties, man, not that much. You know what I mean? Is that is that your phone? <laughs> it won't be that much. You know what I mean, it's just somebody sent me a text. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, I, I'd like to start off, mate, by talking about just your. And I mean this obviously as a huge compliment. Your almost physical transformation. Um, it seems like in the last twelve months, with you know the world shutting down, a lot of people I think have been you know sitting at home stewing and and sulking. You seem to have gone the other way, and it's been an inspiration for me to see. You've been out there every day, exercising, walking, getting fresh air, and you look amazing, mate. Uh, I'm nearly forty pounds. I'll be forty pounds this week. I'm about thirty-eight pounds in now. You know what I mean? I'm What's the secret? Well, mainly keto diet, right? And it's a it, you. you uh, I mean, all I'm really eating. I mean, it's really strict at the moment because I'm really shoving down on it, uh, and I'm in Wales at the moment. But um, right, right. But um, yeah. I mean, it was mainly walking and and getting it there. I mean, I don't walk that much in Wales. I did six miles today, but but mainly it's like blackberries, raspberries. 
eggs, fish, meat, uh, keto bars, um, and just really strict, no carbs. You know what I mean? Nuts, I be- a lot of nuts. I've been on quite a big health kick myself since New Year's Eve, not for as long as you, but isn't it incredible how much what you put in your body, yeah. and obviously we're stating the obvious here, but it, just how much of an effect it has on your mental health for the better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I put a light on for sure. I, I, I like fucking lots of water. But, um, yeah, there you go. So, I mean, there he is. <laughs> a lean, mean, killing machine. <laughs> like, down for 230 to 192 pounds. Wow. And I'm going for 180, and that'll be 50 pounds. So, I mean, I think I'll probably do it. Do you know what I mean? And how are you feeling in yourself? I know, obviously, you, you'd rather be out there at gigs. and I'm feeling light. Do you know what I mean? Which is good. Mood's elevated. Life's good. Yeah, yeah. I put that light down. I put it down. I'm down a bit. I get okay with that. Yeah, man. <laughs> it looks like we're filming a horror film. It could be. Did you see there was a horror film made? About a, a Zoom concept. Did you see that one? Tell you a good story at this house. So I bought this house in 97. And I'd started going out with Kate around then. And uh, I, uh, we were, she, she said to me, she, she'd got a cottage. She used to come away for weekends and stuff like that. And where was it? Krakow. It's in Wales, right? Just yeah, yeah. Village, right? And uh, she had a wee 40, 50 grand cottage that she used to go to. And... Uh, and uh, she'd, she'd bought in her band, you know, she was in a band, Fraser Chorus, right? So um, she said to me, oh, let's go to Hay and Wyatt. It's a bohemian little town. So we go to this town and we're going past an estate agent. And you know what I'm like? I mean, I'm just like, oh, I'll look at anything. You know, because I'm curious about fucking everything, right? So I looked and it was a fucking mansion with 15 acres on sale for 350 350 grand. This is 97. So that was probably the equivalent of like three quarters of a million then. Do you know what I mean? But anyway, it's three. Yeah. So I was like, come on, we'll go look at it. And she went, oh, you know, what are you talking about? You... So I think I had, I had just bought a big house in London, I think. And, uh, and we were, that was getting done up. So I think she just thought it was crackers. Do you know what I mean? You know? And, uh, and they, she goes out, oh, like, you know, don't, let's just go and have a look. So I said, I wasn't, I honestly wasn't trying to buy or anything like that. So we went to have a look and it was absolutely smashed up, right? And, uh, and nothing had been done to it in 25 years, but it was dilapidated to fuck, right? Right. And uh, there was two two people about, must have been my age now, right? But I was young then, I was only about 36 or something like that. And these people were about 16, were posh. And the guy, obviously a bit nervous that I'd showed up, said, what do you do? I went, oh, you know, I mean, I do music. And he laughed at me and I'm like, fucking do you, man, right? So I went, oh, I went. So I looked around and I went, right. And then went and phoned the estate agent. And then he went, and he went, oh, you know, blah, blah. You know, because he, he, he told us where to go. And I was, I phoned him and I went, that house, he built, it's actually not for sale. It's been done, you know, it's, it's waiting to, the, the, everything to get transferred. I went, how much? And, and he goes, 350. And I went, what about 370? He went, sold to you. 
So I fucked the guy. I fucked the house. You know what I mean? And, uh, and, and then the truth is I fell in love with the house. Do you know what I mean? I just always thought it was good. I used to send bands down here to, to write Bobby Gillespie when he basically had a fucking nervous breakdown. He came here uh, for about three months. Uh, the Libertines wrote the second album here. Wow. I never lived in it. I just used to send bands to this big house that I owned and going right. And then eventually, about 2008, nine, I, I, I wanted to bring my daughter up and I didn't want her to be like one of these London kids because she was going to school with all the, you know, the celebrity kids basically. And I didn't yeah. want to be like that. And she didn't want to be like that. She's cool. So, uh, so, so we came to Wales. You, know? you seem to me alan to be someone when somebody pushes you in a corner and says you can't do this that's exactly when you're going to go i'm doing it <laughs> <laughs> whatever that might be is that is that an accurate assessment <laughs> sometimes do you know what i mean sometimes it depends how posh they are if they're really posh i'm fucking probably gonna do them do you know what i mean <laughs> if it's fucking spunk I, I don't really bother i don't see it <laughs> thing. but i think if it's somebody looking down their nose at me, I'm probably going to stick it right up their arse. You know what I mean? What takes yeah. you out to Wales now? Just a little I, bit of a retreat from I'm, the city madness. No, I mean, I just, I just came down. I don't advocate anymore, but I just came down to fucking make sure that you know, what I mean, everything's cool. You know what I mean? Which it is, and I, I, I'm losing loads of weight here, so you know, I will probably stay here in a couple of weeks. You know. How is it in London, man? I got out of there in August um, and moved back to Birmingham. And it just seemed to me to be becoming slowly more and more post-apocalyptic with every passing month, the more shops and everything was shutting down. And it's what's it like now? There's nobody about. You know I mean? Ghost town. Uh, yeah. And I mean, the, the information coming out, it's crazy. Like the, I call it the Tory propaganda. Well, mm-hmm. Every day in the Daily Mail, we'll be back by June. Everybody will be vaccinated. And then you read what the scientists are actually saying. Are you going to LA Times yesterday? Like the, the South African variant, Matt, uh, the vaccine only w- uh, works to 57% against that. So it ain't over, mate. Do you know what I mean? No. Yeah, we've got to hunker down for the long haul, haven't we, and just adapt and yeah, I think, I think get that the program. It's actually criminal. Really, I'm being really serious now. Just this whole hypey pressure that it's all over and people believe it. Because I'm always quelling my own musicians going, it's, it's, a, it's a long one, you know. Because, you know, you've got everybody that I manage thinking that they're fucking doing festivals, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I can't imagine there'll be any. No, there won't be. There won't be. <laughs> It'll be good, but unlikely. Um, Listen, we all want it. We're always in money, you know. You obviously, um, you know, have been holding back on the release of the film for a while. I imagine, was it originally because you wanted to wait till COVID was over and then you just realised there was no point. It was to finish, Matt. Do you know what I mean? Uh, it was. It was a. Uh, I mean, it's ended up brilliant, but the lockdown's actually done us a favour because if the lockdown hadn't happened, it, everybody got off Nick Moran's case because everybody, the investors were all wanting to put it out and get get it out fast and everything like that, get their money back, and um, and because of the lockdown, everybody had to take their foot off the accelerator and go. Uh, 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 let's just get it right and, and and it became a better film for that because Nick's been editing it for a year now do you know what I mean so it's really good well you've seen it now you've seen it 
I've watched it three times, mate, and I have so many questions. I I absolutely loved it, and I loved it more with each viewing. Around by a long, long way, man. You know, you were the first real podcast guy when we done that interview two or three years ago. That I went, oh, that's what that's what it really should be like. Do you know what I mean? Uh, That's you were you were you were brilliant. Do you know what I mean? Well, thank you very much. It's nice to have you back on. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's, it's, it has been nearly four years, mate. Oh, is it four years? Right, okay. Yeah, and, and yeah, yeah. Just ask away, man. Just ask what you want. Well, the first thing I want to chat to you about is the team. Um, obviously, you mentioned Nick Moran there. People will probably know him most famously for playing the character in Lockstock, yeah. Sting's son. Um, but he's obviously a filmmaker and director as well. He did the brilliant Telstar film about Joe Meek. Um what was your first initial meeting with Nick like, and, and were you happy when you heard he was going to be the guy to, to be making it? Because it's you, I'll just be really honest, right? Please do. When I heard it was him, I was going along with it because everybody was going. More than anything, I'm very tight with Irvin Welsh, right? And Irvin went, he's good, just trust me on it, right? Because I didn't like him before I met him. Do you know what I mean? You know when you just get a vibe on somebody? I just thought he was one of these London chancers. I was like, and then I met him. I had a meeting with him, and I thought, and he was really, really gushy about me. And I was like, but the more I got to know him, he's just really talented. You know what I mean? He's 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 a brilliant. He'll be he'll do really well as a director. Uh, but I, initially, my, I didn't. When I heard it was him, I was like, okay. Erwin went. Erwin was the one that shoved it through. Erwin went, we've got to get him. He's brilliant, and he said the exact same as you, Joe Meek. Let's get him. It'll be brilliant, McGee, trust me. Because everyone knows about films. And I was like, I just thought he was a fucking one of them, do you know what I mean? You thought he was coming from that Guy Ritchie world, and obviously and I just thought, you didn't want that in your movie. Well, I don't, it wasn't so much that. I just don't really like people like that, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I was like, oh, really, are we going to have to put up with this cunt? So, <laughs> but, but I met him, and he was, he was all right. And then the more I got to work with him, I watched him do it. I realised, fuck, Irvin's right. He's actually brilliant. He's a brilliant director. So I'm so happy that I just acquiesced to that. You know what I mean? And Irvin, was he always the writer? I'm just going to tell you the truth. You know I love I mean? it, mate. I feel very <laughs> blessed and privileged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> was Irvin always going to be the script writer? Was that kind of a given from day one? I think so. I don't think it would have got made if Irvin hadn't said yes. Do you know what I mean? Because... It, Irvin, when I get a bit awkward about things, Irvin will just go, look, just will trust me. And I always, I've never double-guessed him, do you know what I mean? Because he's so right about look, all this stuff about films. Because he said, Irvin, and, you know, Irvin brought Danny in. and Do you know what I mean? You know, it's just, he, he got you in. So he made the right calls, you know what I mean? Well, it's basically, aside from Nick, it's the train spotting team, isn't it? And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, had to have been that for you as like an ensemble of characters and, and creatives. Was that the dream lineup? I don't think that, that was the dream lineup. It just became the lineup. Do you know what I mean? But I'm glad it is the lineup. Do you know what I mean? I'm so glad because I, I don't have any problem with any of these people. I think they've done great. You know what I mean? You and Remner played me amazing. Irvin's scripts with Dean Kavanagh is funny as fuck. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Danny Boyle. I've not even met Danny Boyle. Do you know that? I think he's still. Must- Really? I, don't, I think he must think I'm a fucking football. Do you know what I mean? Because I've asked to meet him a couple of times and like he's just 
fucking docked it. So I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I know he's busy, but you know, I mean, I've never even fucking met him. But I don't think it matters. He did his job and pulled it all together for us. The minute Danny Boyle literally went, he looks like he made loads of changes to next next first uh, rough cut. But uh, the minute he said, "I'm in as a you know as an advisor, executive producer," literally, it was three different big companies offered to fund it. And remember when wow. I told you four years ago, I think I said to you, "Yeah, there's a film on the offing," and you were probably like, "Really?" And I mean, really, I'm in my naivety, I probably thought it was going to get made at that point. But of course, films are fucking—that's what it's like, Matt. It's not easy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and and it all it takes is one person or one little bit of red tape to delay the whole thing for you know a year, two years, five years for this film to come out. It was—it's been getting worked on five years. Well, it's as you say, I think when you have that extra time in the edit room, because the edit room is obviously where the film comes to life, and to have that extra time in that stage, you're only going to be left with a stronger product at the end. I think it's definitely served the film well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about you in a little bit more. Um, it must be weird and a trip watching somebody playing you, and you. I think you're never going to be fully satisfied because it's never going to be you, but what was your initial response when you saw the first rough cut of, of him being you? Oh, he's got me. Do you know what I mean? I mean, the only thing, the only criticism, I think he, I think he's nine and a half out of ten on me. Brilliant. Wow. Uh, but the only thing is, I don't talk as posh as that. Do you know what I mean? And, and he's a little bit, you know, well, you know me now, so you know I'm not that posh. Do you know what I mean? But uh, he's a little bit posh, isn't he? But uh, I suppose for the English or, 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 or the Americans, ultimately, you know, if he wasn't that little bit portion, it would be difficult to understand, you know what I mean? Do you think they were perhaps as well trying to portray the character, you, as this, you know, and not that you're not, obviously, but as this really articulate, intelligent, strategic kind of... Yeah, I mean, I don't... I don't. I mean, I'm intelligent, maybe. Uh, I'm a strategic, probably. Uh, I mean, I'm, you know... I mean, but I'm still punk as fuck. You know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still by the seat of my pants half the time. You know, rock up to meetings going, what the fuck's a meeting about? And somebody whispers to me, it's the clockworks. All right, into clockworks line. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, fast and loose shooting from the hip. And, and you know, I love that the film captures that energy of, yeah. of punk so much because, you know, it's it's interesting to me that a lot of people, I think, know you or think about you as the Britpop guy, but, you know, that's not really your musical heart, is it? No, you obviously no. discovered Oasis, but, you know, you come from, as you say, punk rock, and then, and I guess, Acid House. That's it. That was my thing. Do you know what I mean? Both of these were, like, my big things. Do you know what I mean? Punk more than the Acid House thing, but the Acid House I loved. I was successful with Acid House, weirdly. Do you know what I mean? And uh, But the punk thing, I was just a kid. I was 15 when that was going on, but it so influenced me, Matt. Do you know what I mean? How well did Nick nail Malcolm? Um, he looks like he's having fun in that role. He gets Malcolm to a T. He also does. I mean, he can do David Bowie or David Bowie fucking to a T as well because he was friends with Bowie. And he Nick gets David Bowie. Just fucking can do David Bowie. That's the thing about these actors because I've never really known actors. Not really. Just now, in the last few years, I've now become pals with them. And uh, and uh, and they can just they can that is their job I suppose they can just become that person and he 
he can do Alan McGee talking to Alan McGee. It's kind of weird. He, he does <laughs> me talking to me, and I'm like, you know, that's fucking weird. Right? You know what I mean? <laughs> well, you mentioned actors there. I saw your little Instagram chat the other night with Thomas, and he's someone I'd love to talk to you about. He's a great guy. I've had him on the show, and you know, he's such he's such a talented actor and funny dude, isn't he? Brilliant. The the two actors, other than Ewan's amazing. And he's like, he is the star of the show. But the other two that I go fucking hats off is uh, Richard Jobson as my dad. Yeah. Phenomenal performance. Because he nails my dad and he's never met my father. And uh, and Thomas is Dick Green. Thomas Tunkus. You know what I mean? Both of these well, guys, just genius. Thomas has some great one-liners, doesn't he? Some really, <laughs> when he's, when he's pilled up and you're in the cafe and he's going, what beats this you're spinning, mate? And he goes, it's the dishwasher. <laughs> and there's the other bit when he's visiting you in the rehab. You know that bit in the cafe? That yep. didn't happen. As in, it did. Everybody in the week in, week out. Yeah. <laughs> to like a fucking cafe and somebody would be playing right on time. This is back in like 89 or something. And and you'd be like almost dancing in the cafe. You'd be like fucking punching your air. And you'd be like, because the E was still in you. Do you know what I mean? It's fucking, what a great fucking time, you know? Well, I want to ask you this. When you watch the film back, does a does even a, a little part of you wish you could go back and pop an E and go to a rave and relive all of that chaos and craziness and fun? I've thought about dropping an E in recent times. Just not a full E, just half an E, but do you know what? I can't do it. i tell you why I can't do it. Because if I do it, I fall down the hole again. Because I'm, you know what I'm like? And that's what it was, you think, in, in that aspect, your personality couldn't say no after one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did the thing in the crack house really happen that way? Was that like the final push for you that sent no, you over? That, never, that scene never. That's like, like, this, this film isn't the Alan McGee. Taylor creation. It's the Irvin Welsh Taylor creation using me and the rest of the characters. Yeah, I mean, the book, my book is my version. Yeah, taken, which I've read and is great. He's taken my book and on his version. So you have to think, I mean, look, did was I ever in crack houses? 100%. Was I in lots of crack houses? 200%. But, you know, did that particular thing happen with a guy with one leg? kid on he was a beatbox not that i remember you know what i mean so you just have to a lot of the films like that that yeah that happened in the the thing but did that specific thing happen no it didn't you know what i mean so that's just everything you know you know when you look back at those times do you think and obviously you know we're not going to be condoning drugs here but do you think there was more of a positivity to to ecstasy in that whole scene than with things like Obviously, heroin and cocaine and crack and yeah. But did, there, the, did the E thing feel like a more positive scene? There was initially, but it all became that. It all became crack and heroin and, and cocaine because that's where we all went. Do you know I mean, I didn't go to to heroin in any real way, but I, I definitely went towards coke and crack. Do you know what I mean? And um, you know, and that everybody done. Everybody had that journey. Primal Scream had a much darker journey. They all ended up junkies, to be honest. Do you know what I mean? So, um, you know, uh, which he's, he's, he's cleverly left that out of the book, out of the film. <laughs> it's not that dark, is it? The journey's not that dark, you know. 
No, the descent is quite sudden, and yeah. then you, you you bounce back, and and I think because the energy of the film is so upbeat, and you know that there's there's punk attitude throughout, and I don't think you'd want to take it down that somber route tonally, would you? No, no, no. that's just I've been. Mean, if we'd ever even going with it, I was okay. But somebody was asking me a question today, you know, so on another another podcast interview, and and they were going, "Oh, did you were you always telling everyone that that's in or that's not?" I never changed one thing in his in his script because I realised, Matt, if you hire Irvin Welsh, you have to let Irvin Welsh be Irvin Welsh. You know, if you do, you know what I mean. I mean, don't hire him if you don't want him to be Irvin. So that's what that's the way that went. So some of it's just not me. I mean, I don't hate Tony Blair. Do you know what I mean? I had a good time. You know, in the nineties. I mean, he shouldn't have bombed Iraq. I accept that, and he fucked it up. But overall. I think he was pretty positive. So I'm not I, I'm not anti-Blair at all, but I give it a Blair in the film because it's Irvin. That's Irvin's version, you know what I mean? What about Savile as well? Was that distinctly Irvin's attack? Actually, that, what was your experience of him, Alan? That's actually pretty Catholic to what went down. Well, how, that's all true. I, I did a, an interview with Mojo last night, and they were going, is this true, is that true, is that true? And they got to Savile, and I went, yeah, that happened. And they were like, What? That actually happened. I went, yeah, because I'd get invited to a Checkers one weekend. It's a long story. If you really want me to go into it, it's actually quite a funny story. Do you want me to yeah. go into it? Yeah, I've got all the time in the world. Let's do it. So we may as well go into it. Um, right, so what happened was that I got a right, bit six weeks before that, I got a card from Cherie Blair, right? I was a big Labour donor. It's getting them about 100 grand a year, Matt, right? And, and I was selling a lot of records. Like, sold 60 million Oasis records. So I was like cash rich, I think you could say that. So uh, anyway, so I was a big donor and I got the card. Me and Paul, she wanted me and Paul Smith, as in the fashion guy, right? Yeah, yeah. To take her to London Fashion Week. Now, I couldn't get, I'm sitting in a tracksuit now, right? couldn't give a fuck about fashion. Like, yeah, you don't care either, right? But anyway, so I didn't want to go, but Kate wanted to go. So she said, oh, I want to go. And I'm like, all right, well, we're gone. And I knew it would be a political weird one, right? But anyway, we phoned up the General Secretary of the Labour Party, Margaret McDonough, who I'm friends with. Right? I went, oh, like Kate wants to come. And you could hear in her voice that it was going to be difficult. And anyway, they left it to the very last minute. And it was the Monday of Fashion Week that I was supposed to do it. And on the Friday, they phoned me up and went, Kate can't come. So she got on the phone to the general section of the Labour Party and went, fuck you. And, and I tell you what, don't ever fucking ask him for money again. Fuck you and fuck you. Put the phone down, right? So Amazing. The Monday, the Tuesday. I can see why you two got on. <laughs> the Monday, the Tuesday, we get the, the invite to Tony Blair. Do you want to come and have dinner with us at Checkers in two weeks' time? So I was like, I've no problem with Tony Blair. I like him. So I went, all right, we'll go. So we go on down to have dinner with Tony Blair and we knew there was a few other people coming. We knew that John O'Farrell, the writer, was going and, and uh, Dame Judy Dench and people like that. It was a bit fucking mad, kind of lovey. It was a Labour lovey's fucking dinner, right? And I suppose I was a lovey at the time, right? So uh, anyway, so it was there. Anyway, so I'm standing talking to, to Blair because I've got there before everybody else because I'm OCD, right? So if it's 31 minutes past seven, I'm fucking there, right? And Blair comes down the stairs and me and him are chatting for 10 minutes. 
And then suddenly at the door, Matt, and just as in the film, now then, now then, now then. I, I look round and it's fucking Jimmy Savile, right? And I'm like, what the fuck? So I actually said to Blair, it's fucking got surreal, and he kind of laughed. And then Jimmy Savile comes in and introduces himself and then sits at the fucking table. And it, they, 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 we all had places to sit. And he had come with a security guy, a guy who's in charge of security for him. Can't remember his name. So I was sitting at one end of the table, and at these posh dinners, you don't sit with your missus. You, you get split up. So Kate was at the other end, and the whole dinner, Jimmy Savile, I'm told, according to her, was hitting on her the whole night. Do you know what I mean? You know, fucking. So he was, he's a fucking lech. Do you know what I mean? And assumedly, you'd heard all about him through Malcolm, who'd heard about it through John. And no, no, I didn't. I mean, I, I'd heard one story. He was a necrophiliac. That was it. We didn't know he fucked kids or anything like that. And I, I mean, maybe it just I don't know why. I didn't really know. I, I did. I, I'd heard a weird story that he was a necrophiliac, right? But I had no, no idea that he was a fucking nonce. No idea whatsoever. Um, and um, you know. So I thought even the necrophiliac story was probably to somebody fucking hated him and made it up. I didn't really believe it at the time, do you know what I mean? I mean, it's truth is always stranger than fiction, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? And I uh, didn't really believe it. But then when I met him, he was, he was a, he's a kind of gangster guy, mate. Do you know what I mean? He was like, we come to the security guy and he was like, he was just a Ned. Do you know what that means? A Ned, a Scottish, just a snide yeah. guy, man. You know what I mean? yeah. So that's that, that was that night. That happened. Yeah, there's the scene when he appears, there's a heaviness, there's a blanket of heaviness which takes over the film at that point. Yeah. You know, that was really hard to cast, that that, that Jimmy Savile thing, eh, Matt? Who is he, it? Is there anyone known? He, he, whoever I, it is, is great. Something. He's quite a, he's quite well known, but Reese Evans turned it down and, and looked like, you know, like loads of people turned it down. Reese Evans turned it down, my friend. Yeah. I love it. Nobody wanted to play Savile. Yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, glad, to be absolutely honest, I'm actually glad it's had. Yeah, no, definitely. How good is I don't know the lad's surname, but he's he's another member of the This Is England cast. He was in that movie Svengali that oh, you were in. Plays Joe, and he plays Joe. He is yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good guy. Yeah. Was Joe really like that? Was he that intense and high wired? And uh, he, 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 that's a smooth version of Joe. Really? Yeah. Joe's quite mental. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, Joe's always been fucking mad. Joe was Joe was mad before the fucking drugs. Do you know what I mean? Well, the first time we spoke, I was asking you about television personalities, and we kind of bonded over that because I love them as well. But I didn't know that they were the guys that you formed creation with. I'd never put that together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's basically like half that band was your team, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know what's great about it? I think this film really bigs them up in a good way. Do you know what I mean? Well, rightly so as well. And they're one of those bands, I think, that you know a lot of people don't know about, do they? Yeah, yeah. And I guess they were the band for you. You were telling me that you know married psychedelic music and art with punk energy, and that for you was really the template for the whole creation label, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, totally. I mean, they're. I mean, if they get the props, that's totally deserved, man. Do you know what I mean? Cameo wise, 
you're not in it, are you? I was I was like waiting and, and watching and, and hoping when's McGee going to pop I, up. How come? I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I got asked, but I just decided. I bet you did. Yeah, I, I just decided not to do it and just like do the film. I want to kind of see, this is Irvin's version of creation and he's his vision of creation. You know, like somebody said to me, oh, that whole speech at the end about the rebel thing, stuff like that. Was that you, Mickey? And I went, no, I, t- I would say people, just make sure you can feed your kids. You know what I mean? So <laughs> we are quite differently in Irvin. He's a communist, I'm not. But, but it's fine. It's, it's like, it's kind of like, He's like, he's like the, the cool wing of the whole thing. And I think that's cool, you know what I mean? Was it you who suggested Bricks? Because I know you two are friends and no, I've no, had Bricks on the show since we a lot, a had lot. you on. I, 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 saw, I talked to her the other day. Um, no, that was Nick Moran's friends. Well. Right, right. Nick Moran got in. It's a perfect fit because I know you two are close. How did you and Bricks meet? Did you meet in rehab? No. Uh, no. Yeah, in 1988, in phonogram record offices, she was in the adult net coming out the fall, and uh, I, I was managing House of Love, and then we met up then, and then she became, she was one of Kate's girlfriends when I started going out with Kate, who had just come out of uh, that band, Crazy Chorus, as we were saying, and then I started going out with her, and then I became mates with the Bricks, so that's how I know her. That's wild, and and she she's great in the movie. She's got a really cool little part. Are there any other cameos that I I've missed? Yeah. Was there anybody else from the music scene in there? Yeah, there's loads in there. Carol Barat. Oh yeah, who, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gary Powell at the end is the black TV producer. That's Gary Powell. Um, who else? There's Joanna, my friend. Who's uh, she's not really in music. She's a a modelly actress. That uh, she she's the she's the um, she she's the one that's that's sitting on the stair, and uh, when I'm trudging up the stairs, and, and she's shooting up. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, who else is in it? Yeah, there's loads. And then Lily Robinson, who lives around here, who's Bruce Robinson's daughter, is the good-looking chick that Ewan takes to the toilet. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's Willow Robinson's sister, Bruce Robinson's daughter, you know. And and the female journalist character, is that a combination of real people, one real person? Is that any, any sort of factual? No, it's not factual. That's Irvin again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, he's just doing that as a way to tell the story. But they're, they're he's all, he's a master, isn't he? They're kind of all like that, if you know what I'm trying to say. You know what I mean? Yep. But, uh, that was, it was, he's good at going, this is what a female journalist in the nineties kind of was like, and he's right; they kind of were like that. Do you know what I mean? Quite flirtatious, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, more flirtatious than they are now. Now they're just like, you know, this is the business, which is fine. But back then, they were a little bit flirtatious. Do you know what I mean? And Jason Fleming's great as the guy who owns King Tut. Oh yeah, that's Jason Fleming. I don't even An- another lock stock connection. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then Jason Isaac is the guy who takes, you know, you to the crack house. He's the movie producer, oh, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I saw you on your Instagram thing with Thomas the other day. I was like, damn, he's telling the story on there because it's one of my favorite stories from your book. Um, I wonder if you wouldn't mind going over it now. You're basically in the studio. You're, you know, there and there's this there's this dude in there and he's asking you to check out some of his music and you don't know who it is. And... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I keep... Well, 
how we got to that. He said his favourite film is Walk the Line. And I went, well, I've got a good story about Walk the Line. And I was, I was, in, uh, I was in Los Angeles. What was I doing? I don't know what I was doing. But I, I'd, I'd been up to all sorts, right? I think it was about January, January 2008, just before the Grammys, or the Oscars, it would be the Oscars, sorry, right? And, uh, and anyway, I, 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 was, I was going out with Kirsten Dunst's makeup artist uh, for, for dinner. We have a big pal, right? This beautiful girl called Nelly Kim. She's like massive makeup artist, right? So she shows up at the hotel, the Mondrian, with this hundred grand car, right? And and I'm like, oh, nice. And she's jumping this fucking mad car. I don't drive, but I do like nice cars, right? And we're driving up Sunset, and I'm like, this could be a good night, right? And, uh, and she goes, uh, do you mind coming to uh, my friend, my friends, some actors? Do they want to play you some music? And I was like, okay. Thinking, oh, I was wanting to go to Toy to sit in Sunset and get some nice Thai food, but okay. She goes, I'll order it, I'll pay. I was like, all right, whatever. So we go up to Hollywood Hills and we go to a pretty humble little house, right? So no idea that we're going to meet anybody, right? And we go on in, and there's these two guys, and one of them's a beautiful English guy with cheekbones, right? And uh, and, and, uh, you know, and he goes, hello, I'm Anthony. I was in Space Hog. Anthony Langdon, you know, and he, he just looks like a pop star. He looks great, to be honest. I'm like, all right, Anthony, I met you with Oasis. And I was like, you know, I fucking met me with Oasis, but whatever, right, all right. And this little dumpy guy goes, I'm a key fan, somewhere like that. But he goes, I'm a key. And he kind of said something, and it's some, he probably was putting it on, to be fair, and, you know, some mad wee voice. And I was like, all right. And he could, in my head, if I don't want to be there, I'm terrible, right? So I was like, oh. Fucking couple of idiots here, right? Here we go. So I get wheeled into the fucking studio and she's all done with the food. And we start, they start playing me these tracks that are kind of like Pearl Jam doing Bowie, right? Songs are actually all right. And the wee guy, he's at the desk fucking sorting out the sound and Anthony's sitting by me and Nelly Kim's sitting with me now. And halfway through, so every song, because I don't want to be there, I'm fucking slaughtering it, man. I'm going, oh, fucking, if you had it, okay, okay, how does all out? Throw the bass off, get rid of that fucking terrible, terrible guitar. Do it, you know, put it acoustic, make it claustrophobic. I was just telling them, without any niceties, what they should fucking do, right? And about halfway through... And then, but he got about seven or eight in, and you can see the wee guy at the desk. It's, it's went from being in shock that I don't like anything to actually now going into me telling him he's a cunt, right? Mm. So, so Kirsten Dunst comes in and, uh, and, and and pays homage to the guy at the desk. And at that point, I'm like, that's a bit weird, right? Because even I know who Kirsten Dunst is, and I don't know about anything in films, right? But She's paying homage to this guy. Fuck, he must be somebody's. But anyway, doesn't stop me. Fucking slaughter everything, right? To play about 20 songs. At the end of the night, it's about an hour and a half in, I go, well, I've got to go back to the hotel. And as I'm leaving, they line up. And by this point, the little guy's loving it, right? Fucking loving it, right? So the Anthony goes, Anthony, like, don't All right, Anthony, see you later, right? And, and this wee guy goes, wacky Phoenix. And I heard Phoenix, right? And I was like, Maybe it's something to do with River Phoenix. Didn't crack on, never asked her. Went back to the hotel, went back to the standard, 
logged on, went into Google, put River Phoenix in, looked for fucking relatives, and sure enough, Joaquin Phoenix is the fucking brother. And then I click on Joaquin Phoenix, and he's about to win a fucking Oscar for fucking I Walk the Line, right? And at that point, I was like, right, okay. You know what I mean? And, and so I, did, I, I didn't even feel like a melon because I just didn't know who it was. I, I just went to bed thinking, kind of funny, whatever. Right? <laughs> a week later, I got back to England, and then I got phoned one morning about 8 in the morning, midnight there, and him and Anthony were out having a burger or fucking drink, whatever, probably a drink when we came out. And he goes, Ellen, I want you to come back to Los Angeles. We want you to produce the record. And I'm like, I'm not a fucking producer. I'm a manager. I went, no, you're a producer. And then that was the beginning of me and me and Joaquin working with each other. And I love the way you end the story there. Like, so what happens with that relationship? You go out and assumedly you work on a record with him. Yeah, I hung with him for a couple of years. We made three different records. Uh, I think one of them eventually came out, not under his name. Anthony's his best friend. And I think Anthony, I think the band was called, this is a long time ago, was it 12 years ago? I think the band was called Victoria or something like that. But basically it's Joaquin. He'd never admit it, but he writes the songs and Anthony sings them at that point. And then when he'd done that hip-hop movie, mm-hmm. uh, I'm here... Anthony's in that, and the guy that Joaquin's abusing and shouting at, right? He's basically the fluffer, isn't he? And that's Anthony. That's a wild film, that is, and he uh, goes to the edge with you that. Oh, he was conceptualizing that for a year or two years because we I hung out with him for two or three years, and uh, he was conceptualizing that that film with me and Anthony and Belowski. We were all hanging out a lot in LA around that time. And uh, and he, you knew that there's something like that. That wasn't a shock that that film got made because it, it kind of was like that anyway for quite a lot of it. Do you know what I mean? I mean, that guy's got a really sharp sense of humour. You know I mean? Are you still in touch with him? And, and what did you think of his Joker performance? I haven't seen Joaquin for years, literally. I mean, five years, ten years, somewhat. It was quite a long time. But if I'm in Los Angeles, I need to go and see him. You know, I mean, he still lives in the same house, but he's changed now. I mean, he's married with a kid. I mean, it's like he was quite wild when I knew him back in the back in that, that late part of that decade. You know what I mean? And you weren't you, you were sober by that point, right? Sober, but I was up for the crack. Do you know what I mean? As in, <laughs> <laughs> not actual crack, just a good time. <laughs> really good nights. We took the libertines up there eh, when they were eh, Carol had become the dirty pretty things. Took them up to meet Joaquin and that was a legendary night you know I mean? uh, probably not for your podcast though <laughs> mate hasn't life taken you to some amazing places what's that hasn't life taken you to some amazing oh, places with some amazing oh, people yes half the time when I'm doing it I don't realise that until way after it go, that was kind of special do you know, I, mean? you know I think that's the best way because otherwise you overanalyze in the moment don't you yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. love it Love it, love it. Hey, I want to tell you a story. You can tell me whether or not this is true. Right. I was reading that Gene Simmons, and this, because it's Gene, I believe it, um, obviously the um, bandwagon-esque album cover, Teenage Fan Club, is a bag of money with a dollar sign. That's true, is it? true. And Geffen paid out? I don't think it was, I don't think it was that. It was, he might have got two thousand or something. Like that. He didn't get a lot of money. He didn't get two hundred thousand. Do you know what I mean? I think he got a payout. Do you know what I mean? 
That's just that's the most Gene Simmons move. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, I'm I, I'm going to I'm I'm going to sue you for like the dollar sign. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Crazy. Um, that was true. Kevin Shields. Yeah. Tell me about that dude. Um, I love the section in the film. I think it it captures the stress of that situation beautifully. Um, it didn't really go down like that. Do you know what I mean? He, he did. I did go to the studio one time and, and, and um, you know, God, this is good. I haven't actually really thought about it. I don't think I went. I think I got told I wasn't welcome. I think that was that's what happened. And I don't think I actually went down. That's probably what happened. But Irvin in the books, you know what Irvin's like. So it's like I get taken away with the police. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 and you're ranting about you know this guy. I mean, were was that the time when the label was really pressurized financially because of the budget of that record running so high? Yeah. I mean, Kate, that's an amazing record, and I don't, I don't regret spending even spending the money because it was such a great record. But you know, it's just it was one man's vision, and we 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 could have been. We could have been fucked, you know. If luckily we were quick and we, we got out and it sold, you know. What I mean, and luckily it's a fucking great record, you know. You know, it's Dick seemed like that time period stressed him out from the part in the oh, film. He's like, oh, I've had to remortgage my house. Yeah, but I don't think that happened. But but do you know what? Around that time, Dick. This is true. Completely true story. Dick built a hut in the accounts department. I mean. It was an accounts department room at the top of the building, big room, and about four or five people were sitting there doing the fucking their contracts and the accounts and all this fucking nonsense, right? And the record companies now are just mean and assistant. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's totally different, right? But uh, but anyway, there was like they were sitting doing their contracts and doing their VAT and all that. About four people definitely were sitting upstairs doing all that, and uh, and Dick's built a hut in a room. Like a proper garden hut in a room. I mean, that shows, shows you where Dick's fucking mind had went. He thought that he could shut out the fucking people asking for money. Do you know what I mean? Was he a total insane genius, Kevin Shields? Was he about as far out there as anyone you've ever worked with? Yeah, he, he, it was one man in his vision. Do you know what I mean? He's a genius. I'm not saying he's not. He's a total genius. Um yeah, I mean, I suppose to make records that good, you've just got to be utterly selfish. And that's what it, it felt like that, being on the, on the receiving end of it. Do you know what I mean? It felt very, like, you don't care about us, which I don't think he fucking did. But it didn't really matter because the record was great, you know what I mean? And it sold and we got our money back and we all lived happily ever after. And me and Kevin <laughs> actually are all right with each other now. Well, I'm, I'm all right with him, do you know what I mean? And he went on to play with Primal Scream for quite a while, right, and tour with him. And... Yeah, he did, yeah. And, uh, how cool is it that you know and it's it's touched on lovely in the film but you know you've grown up and gone to school with the guys in primal scream and they're your old friends and then off the back of teenage fan club and my buddy valentine you have this game-changing era-defining you know timeless record of scream Adelica, yeah. and it's your it's your old pals from school that must still be like a very cool proud detail in your life yeah it is yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like I'm, um, and also the, it goes deeper than that. Me and Andrew, we were in a band and we came to London together. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Like really, 
we go. You know, Bob's my oldest friend. Him and a guy called Colin Dobbins at once in Perth. You know, they're like my old old buddies. But um, but me and Ennis are like we've got a real bond because we we came to London. You know, and we survived it. You know what I mean? Yeah, when you're down in the trenches with someone and you go through an experience like that, it shapes you for life, doesn't it? And when you go through it with someone else, that's a bond that yeah. is lifelong and unbreakable. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, we're good. I mean, I mean, but me and all that band are like, you know, I mean, there's only two of them, the original people now left in that band. But but yeah, I mean, it's, it's always been my, it's kind of my school mates, you know what I mean, you know? Do you believe in magic, Alan? Yeah, I mean, do I really believe in magic? Ultimately, no, but I had a good go at it. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what? I'm not spooked by it because I've had a really good go at it and and it's worked for me a few times, but it's not me. I'm not that dark. Do you know what I mean? You know? Yeah, you think it's a lot of just right time, right place, right people, right circumstances, all coming together. Oh, you mean you? I thought you were talking about Crowley and chaos magic. Oh, you're talking about no. I'm I'm talking yeah, more just like the. Oh, no, I'm, you're, talking, I'm talking, you're talking about fate. Yeah, yeah, I be- destiny. I, yeah, I believe that happens. I mean, so many. You got to be in it to win it, Matt. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm curious and because I love music. I was out on a Sunday night in 1993 at King Tuts. Do you know what I mean? And because I'm OCD, I was watching all my little bands and the support bands. But, you know, but I, when, when, when Oasis showed up, I was smart enough to go, fucking hell, I'll have that. Do you know what I mean? So, you know what I mean? You know, so I kind of do believe in fate. You know what I mean? Do you think if Oasis had have signed with a more square manager... Yeah. somebody that was going to rein them in, tell them off, try and straighten them out. Do you think things would have wound up differently? Perhaps there would have been less drama and or less success. And well, Because I think a big part of that story was the chaos, right? And you obviously were from that same school of yeah. well, my, let my, the rock and roll happen. My role in it was record company guy that signed me to records and signed the publishing as well, actually, right? Um, but I never managed a Marcus. They did have a very kind of, kind of, how was the word for it? Uh, normal manager, as in a normal guy. You know, he's a nice guy actually, and uh, good manager. But um, yeah, I think I think what I brought to it, if I brought anything to it at all, was a main thing I brought to it is I didn't try and change the genius of it because a lot of record companies try and change you, and I never did that with them. I, I realised it'll either work or it'll fucking fail. You just got to have to go and just hope it fucking works. And it worked. Do you know what I mean? But don't try and change it. And I didn't try and change it. Do you know what I mean? I just went, okay, it's either genius or it's a fucking ball over the bar. <laughs> Here we go. And it, we scored. Do you know what I mean? I'd say you scored pretty big, yeah. <laughs> One of my favourite parts in the Supersonic documentary is where Noel's recounting the story of when they're on a ferry going over to Ireland, I think it is, and they all get arrested because of a big fight breaking out on the boat. Yeah. And he said he called you, and there was like a pause, and then just your response was one word, brilliant. <laughs> and I love that so much. That's great. I mean, like, I, yeah, I mean, I love Noel for that drop up and supersonic, do you know what I mean? You know, because it's like, it's, it, to that new generation of Oasis fans, they only know me for that one fucking thing, do you know what I mean? Because 
you get 22 year old kids coming up to me quite a lot going brilliant and you're like all right okay well you know what i mean that, that's no giving me the, the fucking cool nod um yeah no, i think because i was i, I was i mean I, I didn't try and change it i'm probably encouraged it sometimes you know what i mean you know and uh, and it worked it's exactly what we needed at that one point and and in culture you know we needed a wild band you know did you feel like you kind of missed out on the party because you were obviously having to get straight as everything was blowing up is there any regret there that oh i wish i could have been around more for that because that's what i'd worked all that time towards or had you sort of done it by that point and you were out when i was young i was like oh fucking hell man you know i had to I had to choose 1994 to get fucking off drugs and drink, but <coughs> retrospectively looking back, if I had behaved like I did when Screamadelica came out, I would never have kept Oasis because when 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 Screamadelica came out, there was no adults in the room. You know what I mean? Like everybody was mad. Their manager was well, I was their manager up to about 92, and then I gave it to a guy called Nightingale who was managing them, and he was mad, I was mad, the band was psychotic, do you know what I mean? Well, just fucking mad band. And, well, really mad. And uh, and we were collectively mental, and it, that's and it, why it kind of worked as much as anything, but but um, you, you weren't going to get this, you weren't going to get, the, the band were not going to leave you because, you know, you know, just because you were mental, do you know what I mean? But if I'd behaved like that, around definitely maybe, I'd have got, I'd have got fucking shocked, do you know what I mean? So you were okay to not be a part of that party? I think, you felt like, I think if I'd been, in hindsight, I think it was the right call. I think for the, for the, for the, for the, for the, I think for the money, I fucking, thank fuck I was sober, do you know what I mean? <laughs> so you managed to cash out of the Britpop era with, you know, a life of security. Yeah. And I did all right. I didn't, and I didn't. I got sober before I got. I got. I got sold all the records. So I've basically still got it. You know, I've, I've got it on houses and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How about when you did get sober? Were any friendships like, you know, stretched or tested? Because I know sometimes when you, your friendship with someone is based on yeah. you know dr- drug experiences was it hard to maintain that friendship with certain bands or individuals when you did get clean not with oasis because i just and you only known them since 93 yeah so they they really they just you know they they only they just knew me as the record company guy but with the primals it was very difficult because they never got sober for about another 13 14 years they never they never all cleaned up to about 2008 you know so it was tricky, was it? Did that put a bit of distance between you? It was a difficult relationship for a long time. I, if we were really being honest with each other, we probably never really got it back. Do you know what I mean? But uh, because once you break, you never. I, I mean, we're, we're close and we're, we're, we've got great shared history. But do you know what I mean? We don't hang. Do you know what I mean? I mean, Ennis and me are a little bit more. But but you know what I'm trying to say? That whole we were so intensely close on the run up to. Screamadelica, give out, don't give up. And then it kind of, I got clean. And then I think they thought at the time, now not, now they, they get it. They all had to get clean. But I think they saw it as like, oh, he's left. You know what I mean? He's dumped us. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think maybe sometimes it, you know, you just need to be in the room, don't you, together? And yeah. then those friendships return. But, you know, sometimes people also just change, don't they? And your paths yeah. splinter off. And, as I've gotten older, I've learned that myself. As is life, right? Yeah. Well, you—I know your story. I mean, you—you you were—I mean, you, you had the accident, and then you got yourself back, and kind of incredible, Matt. Do you know what I mean? Most of what you're like, you're like a really strong individual. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Thanks, Alan. I—I I did a podcast yesterday myself where I was guesting, and I was talking to this girl about the the theme of the the show was was perseverance and resilience and determination and. I think that's something I've always seen and, and really respected and admired in you. And uh, it's, you know, definitely something that I'm proud of in myself is that ability to just, if you get knocked up, you know, knocked over, dust yourself off, get back up and let's go again. Similar characters, but I, I mean, when you need to tell me your whole story and, uh, and it says a lot about you, man, that you, you never know who you are till you're fucking ill, really proper ill. Do you know what I mean? With me, it was... I've been ill a couple of times, but that one was uh, that one was like when I when I had the drug addiction and the breakdown and I had nine months out, man, and that was like couldn't access my energy. Do you know what I mean? That was heavy. Do you know what I mean? During that time, how did you manage to pull yourself out, and who was there to help you? And 
if you could talk us through that journey of hitting rock bottom and somehow finding your your way back to the light so because the the film kind of gets over that quite quickly doesn't it it's sort of sort of done it myself Mark. Do you know what i mean really do you know what i mean we're a bit of help from, from family but uh i did it myself ultimately do you know what i mean because you, you've got to do it yourself these situations you can't you can't it's that's not something you can offload mental health you've got to deal with it you know what i mean yeah i believe that wholeheartedly and and as much as it helps to have you know supportive friends around you and sympathetic ears ultimately if you don't want to like get yourself straight and you're not willing to put in the groundwork you're fucked aren't you yeah i mean it's 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 so, it's so easy on one level to say it but it's fucking hard to do but you just got to lay down the, the drink and the drugs and eventually your, your fucking body recalibrates and you're all right it might take you years but you eventually are all the anxiety and the depression, it does eventually fuck up. Do you know what I mean? Is it all sort of cleared for you now? Are you in a very whole and happy and strong position in yourself? Or do you still get those inklings from time to time where you feel the darkness creeping in? I'm old. And, and I, you know, I mean, I, I was on uh, prescription drugs for years, but I got off them as well. You know what I mean? I'm like, I mean, getting losing the weight the the latest part of me getting my shit together. Do you know what I mean? You know? I tell you one of the reasons I've done it as well, apart from like COVID, it's a good idea to be skinny and COVID's a bit, but uh, there's a guy I'm friends with in BBC Manchester. He's like the old version of you, man, right? And uh, uh, Mike Sweeney, and he's about 72. But he's a he's the big BBC Manchester morning DJ, and I'm friends with him, and he used to put these pictures up of himself. And he looks a bit fucking 50 because he's fit as fuck, right? And I was like... How do you do it? And he was going, oh, I do this and I do that. And I just thought, you're 10 years or 12 years younger than this fucker. Get it together. And of course I did. Do you know what I mean? But uh, it was that. I told Mike that recently. I went, you were the inspiration. And he was like, no way. You know what I mean? In a bit, it's, it, I think you can be old and, 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 and look good. I think it's possible. Do you know what I mean? I also think, and you've you've shown this to, to not just me, but I'm sure everybody follows you on Instagram and you know, those online platforms, I think as much as there's bad sides to them, there's also a lot of positivity. And I think this transformation that you've shown can happen. It's it's a lifestyle change that you can also make at any age as well, not just to get fitter, but also to just better yourself and enjoy, you know, the quality of life yeah. to the, the highest of its available degree. Yeah. I mean, I, the truth is, I, I I mean, it's great if I am inspiring anybody, but I, I'm I'm kind of just doing it for myself. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you got to do it for yourself first and foremost. But I think in the process of doing that, other people see it and they go, like you did, like I want a bit of that. <laughs> and I was like, I sponsored the team down here in Wales, hey, hey Saint, right? And the, the the guy that's the main guy at the club is about fifty three, fifty four, right? And I, I met him coming out of Tesco the other day, right? And uh, it was like, oh, fucking embarrassing me, McGee. Look at you, you know, you're... Because he's got a bit... Show of, me up. ...a stomach on him at the moment. He's a fit guy, Martin, Martin Tong, but he's got a bit of stomach on him. Do you know what I mean? And it's a bit like... It's stuff like that. that we all look at each other and go, oh, I better get myself sorted. Do you know what I mean? You know? 
That's it's good to lead by example sometimes, you know, <laughs> reformed hellraisers some, sometimes can become shining lights of good behavior and positive lifestyle changes. I and don't think we get all by being out of shape, to be honest. I don't think, you know, I mean, if you're trying to get to about be an old person like 75, 80, I, th- I think you've got to get in shape. Do you know what I mean? I think it's also fun to reinvent yourself. And I like that you've taken to wearing the tracksuits and embraced that look yeah. as well. You know, there was kind of like the Trilby thing going on in the in the noughties and now it's the year of the tracksuit and you wear it well, my friend. I just get sent them all the time. I've got a hundred fucking tracksuits, man. Do you know what I mean? You know? Tell me about your plans if it's not too depressing to talk about it. You must have had some amazing plans for the premiere of this film if it could have gone ahead. Do you know what? It never really got to that stage. It didn't. It didn't really. It was like, it was all, the, I mean, this is not me. I mean, I'm like, I'd have just shown up because it's like, ultimately, I'm weird about this film in one way. I mean, I'm a bit like, I think it's Irvin's thing. He probably thinks it's my thing, but I think it's Irvin's thing. So if nobody showed up, I don't see it as a diss on me. Do you know what I mean? I'd be like, whatever. But yeah, the film producers were like, oh, is Liam going to show up? Is no going to, all that stuff. That, fuck, you know what it's like Well, these fucking film producers and all that box, you know what I mean? Um, but I see, I just always saw it as, as Irvin's thing. So it's that's how I can, you know, I mean, that's how I can stand back for it and just, I, I don't hate it, which is the best compliment I can pay that film. Could you imagine? I, I, I mean, I think Tony hated 24-hour party people. I think Did he? Sean likes it. So they're all in it and they don't like it. I can live with this, you know what I mean? I think, I don't know whether I'm reading too much into it, but I would have thought if you get to sort of see your life play out on film and, you know, be removed from it enough to sort of look back at what you've achieved and done, there must be a little bit of a sense of pride that, you know, that your life's work has actually amounted to something pretty cool. And um, I presume you maybe knew that already, but it must be a very validating and quite cool thing to see like oh wow i sort of made all these things in my own way happen yeah i mean it was a it was a crazy period that period and then on for that then it was like the hives the libertines blah 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 up to 2008 it was like boom 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 and then i came down and here for five years brought charlie up uh wrote the book went back and then suddenly i was like mary chain what me to manage on mondays blah 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 do you know what i mean it was like it was all that, and I was like, you know, but that that period up to about 2008, from 1980, was fucking mad. Do you know what I mean? Coming to London, living in a fucking squat, starting a club, doing creation, breaking the Mary chain, the journey, finding Oasis, the journey, ended up in the British fucking government. Do you know what I mean? And, and like, you know, making a lot of cash, which was a big one. Uh, and then, uh, and then, like on for that, do you know what I mean? You know, like you know, like doing all that other stuff, like the libertines. It's crazy, you know. What I mean? It's amazing, mate. It's yeah. it's so amazing. Yeah, it's good. And and the hives as well. Like you know, that period of your life isn't in the film, but pop tones and I mean, the hives really, obviously, along with the Strokes and the Libertines and the White Stripes, but they were one of the last, I think, really great, exciting yeah. guitar bands that reinvented the wheel for one of the last times, and you were a part of that as well with the Libertines and them. Uh, yeah, that was great. That was a great time. That was a great time for music. 
We we thought at the time that it was going like that, but it was the last time that bands were breaking through, really, wasn't it? You know what I mean? It was, and do you think there'll ever be a time like that again, especially after fucking COVID and now Brexit? Do you think there's any hope for, for UK musicians rising up now to, to get to those levels of the Arctic Monkeys or Oasis or bands like that again? Bands break through, but, you know, I'm not sure it'll be culturally that big. Do you know what I mean? I'm not sure. I mean, you know, you've got BBC Six. It's kind of Guardian music, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I I feel very, not disheartened, because, you know, I, I do think that I grew up in the last great time for guitar music, and I'm just grateful for that. Um, but I don't feel any excitement about anything that's happening now within the, the rock and the, the indie and the punk and any of those genres. Yeah. All the best stuff's happened, I think. <laughs> what do you think? Let's hope there's another resurgence. I mean, I'm, putting, I'm finding lots of great little bands. And I'm putting records out, and, and I'm still into my thing, but I don't know if Andy's paying any attention. Do you know what I mean? I'm I'm enjoying it, which is probably the past mark. But uh, but God knows, I don't know if Andy. I, I mean, I'm I mean, I'm putting records out in the middle of lockdown. Do you know what I mean? I mean, fuck knows if I don't know. I don't even know if I'm being sensible. But I'm just. It's all. You know what? I, I'm being sensible. It keeps me sane, Matt. If I was just not doing anything. I'd go fucking mad. The fact that I'm putting out a single a month, I've got Charlie Clark coming in Friday. Uh, it kind of keeps me sane. And I've got a Kyle Faulkner big pop album coming out, in, out on Townsend. So that's next month. So, yeah, the, well, the first big single drops next next month. That keeps me in the here and now, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm exactly the same. You know, the only thing that's kept me focused and and happy is yeah interviewing people connecting with people podcasting and then writing my book and just staying as you say present and connected and excited about things that you know distract from the the doom and gloom that seems to be coming in from all angles at the moment so to answer that yeah i mean actually i'm doing the right thing because if i wasn't doing it i would be like how do you think i'm going to yeah, I mean, I've managed to keep connected to my to my to my muse, I suppose. Do you know what I mean? Are you on your own? Have you spent the last year basically isolated, sort of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On your Jack Jones, how have you found that? I, I, to be honest, I've enjoyed it. I because I've, I've I've been meeting five, six different people for walks, and uh, so it's been good. I mean, I'm out. I leave the house in London. I know you're always supposed to get for an hour, but. I leave the house about nine in the morning and come back at six at night. What you just walk all day, do you? Yeah, I walk to Earl's Court, walk to walk to Kensington, walk to you know Marylebone, walk back, do fifteen miles along the river, and uh, just doing all your business on your phone. Yeah, you do meetings, do podcasts, and walking about London, and then <laughs> and then a you know get back, make some dinner, go to bed. I'm going to bed about nine o'clock at night. During the lockdown, are you doing that? I've been fluctuating a lot because it depends for me what I'm doing during the day. When I was writing my book, I'd be up till about 1 or 2 a.m. because my mind would just be racing, you know, because I'd been transcribing and thinking all day and night. But I found now I'm sort of easing out of the book writing and getting back more into the podcast recording as I spend all day preparing for a conversation like this. And then when I finish the chat, I'm then quite exhausted because the, you know, the, the adrenaline has 
gone and I can just sort of crash. And and so now I'm probably going off at about 10, which is nice. Because then you get up early, don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I haven't gone to bed about half eight, nine, and, uh, and, uh, and then getting up about seven. You know what I mean? In London, half six. And uh, so it's, it, I mean, when it comes back properly, I've got to go down. Let's hope it's this year. But when, when everything comes back, we'll all be like touring, going to restaurants, eating late, blah, blah, blah. So God knows if, if I will maintain 40 pounds off, but I, I, I probably <laughs> eat now. Do you know what I mean? I've done it. But, um, do you know what I mean? It's going to be a different thing. I mean, but but you know what? I mean, look, I, I think we'll be lucky to get back this year. I don't know about you, but I think we will be lucky to get back this year. I think the Tories are letting people think they're back in the summer, but I don't see it really. But, but um, well, in rock and roll, I don't see it. Let me put it that way. But, um, but if we if we end up getting back at the end of the year or early next year, we've almost been out for two years, mate. Do you know what I mean? A long time. Yeah. It's a very long time, and the the long term implications of that uh, are just bewildering. You know, from the crew side to the venue side, um, just to the type of music that will be getting written. And the one thing that really excites me, Alan, is I feel like we're in this age now of real desperation and bleak prospects for a lot of people. That in the past, I think that's helped create some really exciting, vital art, and I, I just do hope that you know that the, the energy that's around at the moment is channeled in that way into you know maybe the new punk movement whether it's with guitars or not might be a different thing but i do feel like the conditions are in place at the moment aren't they for another wave of angry young politicized artists to be coming out and spitting what they think in the face of the establishment wearing masks <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so actually spitting back at themselves <laughs> Hope we're out, we're out here, Matt, Matt. You know, what I mean, it's like, I mean, people are hot. Do you know what I mean? Anita's hot. Do you know what I mean? And like, you know, Jamie's hot. They're all, like, you know, close to me. And it's like, you know, they're, they're hot at the moment because nobody's worked for like a year, you know? Yep. What's, um, what's next for you? Is there anything that you feel at the back of your mind you'd still like to lend your hand to and, and have a stab at? Well, You're 60 the, now, right, Alan? Well, I'm going to rock on doing this till. I'm 75, if I can get away with it. Seymour got away with it till he's 75, so I don't see why I can't. Do you know what I mean? Uh, there's a documentary coming. Dre, my pal, the photographer, big uh, Hollywood photographer guy that I'm friends with, has been filming me for about seven years. Uh, right. And camera and started filming me. Did you meet him that time? I think he maybe walked up to, and then he went, I went for a wander and then he came back. Do you remember that time? In Soho, yeah, I think Dre. Yeah, was... I, I, I didn't meet him, but he was with you that day, was he? He was, I think he was. But anyway, uh, Dre, uh, Dre filmed it, and and uh, the BBC just picked it up because I don't know if it would usually have been picked up by the BBC, Matt. But because nothing's been filmed for a year, they're, they're running out of content. So th th this was all shot before the pandemic, and I, so I think that's coming this year. Do you know what I mean? You know? Wow, so you'll have a movie and a documentary out in one year. In lockdown, kind of how mad's that? That's amazing. At 60 as well. How many other people that, you know, mature old age can can say that they're at the front line of, of cinema and television and, 
you know, they're being talked about and written about. And I mean, a little part of you must be quite excited and thrilled by that. You know, my friend's got a documentary on a uh, on Sky on on Saturday night. You should watch it. Night Girls, Rob Lloyd. Do you know? Do you know that band? They've been no. Are they really? It's like they used to be this punk band, The Prefix, and uh, and uh, and he's a uh, he's he'd been in this band for thirty five years called The Night Girls. They were kind of like the fall, but he was. Right. Like, do you know what I mean? But uh, good, but good band. And that's coming out on Sky. And I think Sky are just buying up all these fucking films, all these indie films, you know what I mean? So basically now is the time to be making them, <laughs> as you say, because they're just desperate. Sky are buying 30 of these films this year. I mean, they paid, paid good money. Slightly, I won't name it, but slightly south of half a million for British Red. Wow. So they, they paid, do you know what I mean? What's going on with your movie? What platform's it going up on? Uh, I think it's Sky initially, and then it's going to end up in Netflix and all that sort of stuff. Do you, know what I mean? do you think you'll be getting a lot of calls from out the woodwork once it's once it's out there in the world? Do you think you'll be hearing from a lot of people who, you know, perhaps haven't surfaced in a while? No, I've got no idea. I don't know what having a film out is. What it? What it? What it? I don't know. I mean, what was the response when the book came out? What happened in the wake of that? Well, let's be honest with each other. I mean, it sold 26,000 books, but let's be honest with each other. Most people don't read. I know that as somebody who's just released a book. <laughs> that were in the book. I would send them the book and they would look for their parts. Probably quite a right? And they look for their parts. And then they go, oh, that was it. Most people didn't read the fucking book. They, you know, you know, what? Well, okay, twenty six thousand people probably read it. After that, I, so I don't know. Is the truth? You know what I mean, so I don't know what. But with films, we're living in a, a very visual age now. People watch films of people they don't even fucking like. Let's be honest. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's nothing. I suppose I'm going to get every music fan in Britain to watch it because there's nothing else to watch. Do you know what I mean? Whether you like me or not, you know what I mean. Whether you like, yeah. it, it's, just, it's not going to. They're going to go, let's fucking watch it. Do you know what I mean? And a lot of people like Oasis, so a lot of people will be interested. Do you know what I mean? Well, I think what's cool about it is obviously, you know, your story is so much bigger than just Oasis. Although they were, you know, this gargantuan thing that you were a part of and the biggest, there were so many other things that, you know, contributed to the overall creation story and your story. And it's all in this film. So I think people will, a lot of people will probably come to it because they know you through Oasis. But then we'll be like, oh wow, this guy was like a punk rocker, and he was in on the the hacienda scene, and that's good. Yeah, the DJ, or another one, the DJ at the hacienda's bass. Oh right, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Love it. Hey, I want to ask you this as we approach the end, Alan. Um, the last time we spoke in 2017, you said it had been about six years or so since you'd last spoken to your dad. Have you guys reconnected since then, or is it still? That's what it is. Do you know what I mean? You know, so we, we, um, yeah. I mean, it's going to be what it's going to be between me and my dad. Do you know what I mean? You know, I mean, I suppose you. It's it's two a, it's two uh, hard headed individuals that think they've been. Well, I don't know what he thinks, but I think I've been wronged in a massive way. So that's where we're at. You know. 
because the relationship that's on display in the film, you know, is obviously again that's everything. That's what I say. Is me and my dad are like best best buddies at the end and going into the sunset. No, it's not like <laughs> that. I haven't spoken to him for fucking years, man. Do you know what I mean? In twenty years, I've seen him twice. Do you know what I mean? You know what I mean? I'm the last time he saw me asked me for money. Do you know what I mean? He's a cunt. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you think he'll watch the film? God knows. Probably because he's, he's, you know what I mean? You know, no idea, but I mean, I hope so. Do you know what I mean? I think he gets off pretty light, to be honest, with the amount of stuff that he actually done to you. Do you know what I mean? I mean, he, he, he's portrayed as a, 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 I mean, Jobson's got him down, hasn't he? Jobson just is brilliant, you know what I mean? And that's the guy from The Skids, is it? Is that the band he's in? Richard's such a good guy, yeah, yeah. He, he, he's a Catholic, Richard, but he, you know, so it was, he, it was hard for him to get his head round playing a Protestant dad, but uh, but he does it because because in a way, the full on Catholic dads and the full on Protestant dads are kind of the same thing. It's just different different words. Do you know what I mean? You know, and uh, but it's the same fucking shit. And uh, he so he just I'm sure he just channeled people he knew in his his particular life. Do you know what I mean? You know. Is that still the lay of the land up in Glasgow? Is life still like that? Is it that divided still? I don't live there, mate. I don't know if I can answer that one. I don't think it's as bad, but you know, but maybe if you're standing in the Rangers end of the Celtic end, maybe it is. Do you know what I mean? I just don't know. I don't live there. I haven't lived there for 40 years. It shaped me. I suppose I don't even hate Glasgow. I just it is what it is. It made me. I got I got the sat the business savvy for Glasgow. I got the I got the never give in part for Glasgow. Do you know what I mean? So do you know what I mean, you know? But also I had a shit time when I was there, do you know what I mean, you know? And obviously I know you've got connections with Manchester and Wales where I'm talking to you at and, and London. Do you feel like you have a home or are you a bit more of a nomad like me? Because I'm from Birmingham and I'm here at the moment, but I wouldn't say that Birmingham is my home. London's my home because I've been there for forty years. I love Manchester. I absolutely love it because I mean, I'm just the Oasis thing. I mean, it's just, it, it, I just love, I love Manchester. I just that's for me. I suppose that's my second home. Do you know what I mean? It's a great place. My dad's from Manchester, and it's just the people. Oh. They're rich. They're warm. They're funny. I'm the funniest. They're the funniest man. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> How's Sean doing? Is he well? He's good, yeah. I talked to him yesterday, but Manny phoned me up on Christmas Day. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, what was he slagging me for? He, he just phoned me up to abuse me. Do you know what I mean? It's funny. You know, I think it was about Rangers, to be honest. And uh, I don't even fucking really support him. So I haven't seen him for years, but uh, he just phoned me up, like giving me shit on New Year's Day. And you're like, all right, Mickey, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> I love it, mate. Well, listen, um, thanks so much for not just the chat, but for everything, Alan. I consider you a dear friend, and it's it's always nice catching up. Keep in touch, Matt. All right? You look good, man. You look healthy yourself. Thanks, mate. Yeah, I've been taking some tips from you and living the good life, living the clean life. <laughs> Cheers, Alan. Bye, Matt. Take care, mate. Nice one, dude. Maybe 
Sold you to the bone 